So who really made the decision to decline the NIT invite? Tell you what, we got some regular soap opera drama going on. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I am your host, Isaac Shade. Joining me as we do, just like every Wednesday, except for one or two here, there is our guy, Coach Pack Kilby, who's in the middle of spring break. Congrats to you, my friend. We want to thank you for joining us on today's show, which is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Coming up on the show, we want to look at, we already know two of the transfers out. Coach Pack and I are going to go through the other nine potential returners, give you our thoughts on going, staying on the fence, where we think they're at. And then we're going to talk about what Carolina needs to look for from like a quality or or basketball skill standpoint. But before we get to all of that, (laughs) this NIT saga carries on. And I know I joked off the top, but it really feels like something you would see on like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or something like that, where it's just people... Like there, there's conflicting stories coming out about who actually made the decision to say, no, we're going to decline the NIT invite. So the specific question in play here, who made the decision not to play? Let me give you where some of this is coming from. On Tuesday, on the Brian Hanks show, which is a radio show in Kinston, the hometown of many Tar Heel greats, but right now uh, Tar Heel playing is... Mr. Don Trez style. So they do a segment Tuesdays with Trez and the host, Brian Hanks was asking Don Trez about who made the decision to, to decline the invite. And Don Trez said it was coach Davis. He says, quote, yes, sir. Coach told us that he was not going to accept the bid and that the season was over and that he was going to start getting ready for next year and preparing. So this didn't happen again. So basically this idea of We're cutting it off. We're going to get ready for next year. We're going to do everything we can. And so Hanks, uh, the host, then asked, like, point blank, if it was a team vote or a coach's decision. And Dontrez simply said back, it was a coach's decision. Then on Tuesday evening, USA Today publishes a story by a guy named Josh Peter, where he had talked to three Tar Heel dads. So we talked to Dennis Love, Caleb's dad. Gilbert Johnson, the father of both Puff and Cam, what up Cam, and Greg Dunn, who is DeMarco's father. Now here's the difference. This article says that it was a player's decision and that the majority of players voted against playing in an anonymous vote, and that's why they decided to decline the invitation. These parents said things like this. Dennis Love, Caleb's dad, says they should have played in the NIT, win or lose, they needed that experience. DeMarco's dad, Greg, I thought it would have been best to give the players more time to play more minutes. Gilbert Johnson, Puff's dad, I don't like the way that it ended. To cap off with them saying no to the NIT, why give them that decision? Apparently they struggle to make the right decision. Seen that all year, why leave that in their hands? And so, man, I I love these dads being willing to talk about it and being upfront and honest, but um, 
pack the, I mean, this has been my argument. It's like, you, go play basketball. If there's an opportunity to compete, go compete, right? And so in terms of what how these players voted, Dontre said, I think I would have just loved to have had the opportunity to play and showcase a little bit more of my talent. The NIT is not the Carolina standard, but there are some great teams in there. It would have been some great competition for me to showcase my game against. I would have played. I'm not going to turn down playing basketball. As for the three guys whose dad spoke out, Caleb's dad, Dennis, said that he voted to play, like specifically said Caleb voted to play in the NIT. DeMarco's dad, Greg, said that DeMarco voted to play. Puff's dad, Gilbert, said he wasn't sure how Puff voted. So, Pac, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. What what does all of this say to you? You are a coach. You hear this. How do you interpret all of this that I've just laid out that seems to be conflicting stories? Well, I interpret it like this. Um, Nobody seems to be on the same page. Hmm. just like we've seen all year long. And um, quite frankly, I think it's it's frustrating. It's disappointing. Um, I just don't like – I don't like the division. You know, I, I feel like this is the most divided our fan base has been <laughs> in quite some time. And uh, I think – I do think a lot of it is probably frustration just from – not succeeding the way we thought we all thought we would yep. this year. Yep. There's something uh, to that. And then the fact that the season's just kind of come to an abrupt end and we're not going to see any more Tar Heels games for this season. I think it's all just, it's just frustrating, you know, and, and what we're hearing, you know, from the players is frustration too, you know, and especially DeMarco and Dontrez, like those guys are, they've probably been working their tails off and they haven't really got to see the court very much. And, they thought, hey, maybe the NIT would have been a time for us to see that because we don't have anything to lose. Coach can start building for the future. This is a chance for us to play. And now they're not playing. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. You know, we have the opportunity to play. Um, I think we need to take advantage of it, you know, even if it is playing guys that really didn't get a shot before. <clears throat> I also try to put myself in, you know, Hubert's shoes. And I, and I see a benefit. With the portal opening up, um, you know, maybe he's thinking, let's go ahead and get a jump on this. If you're leaving, go. You know, no hard feelings, but go. Let's start getting in the portal. Let's start getting new players in. Let's start building for the future so that they can make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, so I do, you know, oddly enough, I kind of I kind of see both sides, but I just wish we were competing over the course of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it absolutely gives that opportunity to get a jump start, like you were saying, both on getting guys potentially out the door and getting guys in the door. You might remember Coach Davis talking about last year in in and amongst the NCAA tournament games, he's trying to field phone calls from potential recruits and all that. To to the point of the other side, Caleb's dad, Dennis, gave another potential reason why he thought Coach Davis might have looked at it and made the decision he did. He says, Mr. Love, the competitor in me says, let's go play. Let's go win, which is what you and I just said, Pac. But he also says, but I can see where maybe coach looked at it and said, if we play and we lose, then it's more hurt feelings because we didn't live up to the expectation. So I can see that side of it too, right? Um, And and I think another important uh, thing to put on this is Steve Kirshner, the sports information director who does a phenomenal job for the men's basketball team, says that players had a role in the decision. And his direct quote 
was players, coaches, and staff all had input into the decision that Coach Davis and Bubba Cunningham ultimately made. Kirshner said by text message, by the way, in that USA Today article. Um, but also ultimately said that North Carolina would not address all the details of the process that went into the decision. So here's what that says to me, is that Coach Davis and Bubba Cunningham are kind of handling this like the president handles decisions with his cabinet, right? You've got all these people who are giving you insight and thoughts and ideas, and then it is the president, like in, in our current state, it's Joe Biden's uh, responsibility to ultimately make that decision and of whatever it is. And it kind of feels like that's what Steve Kirshner is saying. Now, obviously, it's hard to understand, hard to determine and discern from what Don Trez had said and then what the three dads said, what's true, what's not, and what's murky. But from Kirshner is going to tell the truth, right? Like that is going to be direct of what we can actually take to the bank. Um, but where I ultimately land on this who's right and who's wrong. I love what you said, Pac, that, you know what, at the end of the day, perhaps it doesn't even matter because the bigger point here is that nobody's on the same page. And that that is telling to me about, I think, not that anyone's good or bad. I just think there's so much frustration and disappointment at how this season went that it's going to spill out in different ways from different people. And I think if we had the benefit of some time and distance from this whole thing, we might see it a little bit differently. What do you What do you think about that? No, I I totally agree. Um, I think some some distance is is probably going to be good in the long term. Um, and you know, I'll, just to add to that, you know, I really liked what uh, Puff's dad Gilbert had to say. You know, I thought I thought that was kind of, I mean, he may have been facetious a little bit and saying they haven't made the the right decision all year long, you know, but at the same time, it does remove some of the divisiveness. And I, you know, the more I think about that, the more it kind of sticks with me. I'm like, man, that's pretty good. Like just make a decision, you know, and, and ultimately he did. And I think you're probably right. The truth is somewhere in the middle. He probably picked their brain, talked to Bubba Cunningham and he made his decision. Um, But man, it just feels like a lot of divisiveness. And I do think, I think you hit it on the head, you know, some some distance from this, maybe remove ourselves from that frustration a little bit, and we'll see this a lot a lot more clearly and understand it more. Pac, let, let me put you in Coach Davis's shoes. I often ask you to do that as we're evaluating players. If, if you were tasked with making this decision, how would you have approached it? You know, that's a tough one just because – I, I base so much of my decisions off of relationships and having a, a gauge and a feel for where my locker room is at any given moment in time. And so I wasn't there to see what this, you know, behind the scenes, what the true state of the locker room is. Um, ultimately, though, you know, I think because you have a, a feel for those things as a coach, you can make decisions based off of that without necessarily having to involve their opinion. Um, And especially for me, because I don't really, I don't necessarily deal with adults. I deal with, with kids. So a lot of the decision-making is on me and, um, and he's in a little bit of a different situation, but I I do think, you know, at the end of the day, um, Hubert has got to be the one that's, that makes that decision. And, 
um, separates himself from what the kids think or what the what the young adults think, and he's got to do what he thinks is right. And ultimately, you know, I'll just throw this in there while I'm at it. I feel like we found ourselves in that battle all year long. Uh, and I, I'll just say, like, you know, when it comes to Hubert, I feel like sometimes he wants to be more friendly with the players than he does be a coach. Hmm. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But I felt like sometimes, like, Caleb – got a leash but Trimble didn't or you know it just it felt like he didn't ever want to offend anybody or just get fired up or get in somebody's grill or coach them hard and this kind of comes back to that like he involved a lot of opinions and now we have different stories and I just wish he would have made a cut and dry decision this is what we're doing if you don't like it then you know get over it or get on with it you know so that that's just my opinion Uh, and that's what I asked for yeah. Okay. yeah, hopefully it didn't come off too stern, but I do. That's just the way I feel about it. I, I wish that he would be more commanding and more demanding of the ship and less let's involve everybody and not, not get anybody's feelings hurt. And I think that's part of his growth as a coach for, mm-hmm. for all of us to remember is that this is just his second year of being a head coach. It's like when you play a freshman quarterback or a freshman point guard, right? There's going to be some interceptions. There's going to be some turnovers. Coach Davis is not going to get it right every time. And I don't think that it's fair of us to expect him to get everything right. Um, and, I, and I'm not chastising you, Pac. I, I don't think that's what you're saying either. But that's what, like, I'm saying that to myself. I need to remember this, that Coach Davis is learning on the job. Um, yeah. And additionally, though, I loved what you said about, like, hey, I'm I'm wanting to, like, because of my ability to know my players, I'm going to have a temperature from where the room is at. And I think Coach Davis has that because of how he meets with every player every week. He has that ability to know that. And I think that's part of why he maybe um, got some input from each of them because he's already established those relationships and he's wanting to follow up with it. And so I think he will learn from this of like, here's what I loved, how I handled this. Here's where I didn't handle it that well. And then we move on. Really interesting conversation with all this. Ultimately, does it matter who made the decision? No. It's but as we read from from Kirshner, it's Coach Davis and Bubba Cunningham. And so I believe that that's the bottom line. But again, there's conflicting stories, and that basically tells us more about the the mood of the team. Well, coming up, we already know that Tyler Nickel is gone. We know that Justin McCoy is gone. But what about the rest of the roster? Pack and I are going to unpack our thoughts on these other guys here in just a second. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sports app right now. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and three-pointers drained. Make sure to check out all the great possibilities for the NCAA tournament tipping off tomorrow. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn all about it. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, Pac, we already know Leaky Black and Pete Nance are out of eligibility. We also know that Tyler Nickel 
and Justin McCoy have already transferred out. We learned that on Monday. So that means of last year's 13 scholarships, we are down to nine of those players. Reminders, that means Armando Baycott, who's graduate, who's a senior, but has COVID eligibility left. The junior class, Puff Johnson, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, sophomores, Dontrez Styles, and DeMarco Dunn, and then the remaining freshmen, Jalen Washington, Seth Trimble, and Will Shaver. So, Pack, let's just take these from the oldest on down. Let's start with Armando Baycott. And let me just remind the good folks, it's been about a year since you first said, I would not be surprised if Armando Baycott came back for his COVID year. Do you still feel that? Or have you changed your opinion? No, I still feel the same way. Um, and I'll just keep it short, but he really didn't do anything to change his draft stock. And I definitely – I think he heard it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, on the flip side, he's not going to go to another university. No. Uh, I mean, he's a target. He through and through, so That's right. He does. So, I, I, and obviously the NIL deals are coming. He's making more money at UNC than he would playing overseas or even in the G League. It just makes sense for him to be at Carolina next year. I foresee it happening. What about you? Same. I'm right with you. He loves this place. And in the same way that I said, like, maybe he hurt his draft stock some this year. Listen, so much of that is just injuries. Like, he was just injury plagued all year long. It's not that Armando was bad. He had a great year. He just didn't perform like he did last year when he set astronomical levels of expectation. I, I want to commend Armando because he has battled through, he's shown up and done it again and again and again, playing through pain. He he is a warrior and yeah. I'm with you. I think Armando Baycott comes back. If you're like right now, flag in the sand, Armando Baycott will be a Tar Heel in 23-24. Let's go to the junior class. Pack, we've got uh, Caleb Love. Let's start there. I was going to name them all, but we've already done that. Let's start with Caleb. Right now, okay. what's Caleb doing? Um, I think Caleb is going to try to go pro. Uh, if I'm guessing, I'm going to say he doesn't get drafted. He's going to try to work his way in through the summer league and find a spot on the roster and be an NBA journeyman. That's that's my prediction. Okay. Mine is very similar to that. I think the same is true, that he's going to move on. I think he will declare to turn pro, but keep his options open. Like he'll both do that and enter his name in the transfer portal. I think one way or another, Caleb Love is not a North Carolina Tar Heel in 2022 or 23-24 season. What about his backcourt mate, RJ Davis? Um, thankfully, I, I have a feeling that he's going to be a Tar Heel next year. And I really hope that he is. I think RJ is a great young man. I think he's a really good player. And, I mean, y'all know this. Yeah, I'm, I'm really high on RJ. Um, I think he was a little injury prone this year, especially that finger that kept – darn finger, man! Recurring injury, I think really – I think it bothered him. Yep. So, I hope he gets healthy and then he can go out on a really high note next year. I'm right there with you. I RJ's skill set, he, he's an NBA talent. 
It's just like we've said so many times before. It's just the height. That's all that's really holding him back. I, I do think there's some progression he can make with like man-on-man defense. I think he allows a little bit too much penetration as, as a defender. And so there are definitely things he can work on. Um, but man, offensively, I love what he gives. I love the thought of somebody like Seth Tremble or Simeon Wiltshire being able to maybe run the show with RJ playing the two and just not having to look over his shoulder at Caleb. I, I just think that opens things up. And I love w- the idea of one more go round of RJ and Armando carving it up. So I'm with you. We are three for three in agreement so far. What about the final junior, Mr. Puff Johnson? You know, I just can't imagine him being anywhere else other than UNC. Um, I think his family has has grown deep roots there in Chapel Hill. And I just I don't foresee him going anywhere yet. Um, I think I just I don't know, unless something drastic changes or happens, I just I can't imagine him not being a Tar Heel next year. That's where I'm at on it, too. And I feel like because of how much Coach Davis trusts him, assuming that he can stay healthy. I mean, that's a big caveat is poor Puff, man, just just hadn't been able to stay healthy. It feels like depending on who transfers in, right, Puff has an inside starting spot at the three or the four, an inside track to a start. Well, I'd probably say the three because if Armando comes back, well, I should save that because that's going to tell me uh, I'm going to almost give away one of the things about the freshman. But yeah, right now, I think Puff Johnson is a Tar Heel again in 23-24. Would you, not knowing who's coming in the portal, but based on what's on the roster right now, Pack, would you slot him into the starting lineup today? Yes. Yeah. At the three? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he'd be a good fit there. Absolutely. It'd be nice to have a little more shooting. That's the one thing. Yes. But we'll see what happens in the transfer world. All right, let's move to the sophomores. Let's start with somebody that over last summer, you and I were pretty dead wrong about the level of involvement he would have on this team. And that's DeMarco Dunn. Uh, we've, we've owned that and claimed it over and over again. I think he had that early season injury that derailed him from really making an even bigger impact this season. But he really started to show once again, even more down the stretch of the ACC tournament there. DeMarco Dunn, Tar Heel or not next season? Uh, this is the one I'm the most torn on. Same. Um, just because I think, you know, he did enough where he could be like, all right, I can stay here and I'm going to get some more time and I'm going to succeed. But he also did enough where it's like, God, I'm really just not pleased. I thought I did my job and I didn't get to play as much as I wanted so I can go somewhere else and do that. Like he's right on that line for me. Um, I really like his character and I really like what he said last year. You know, I, I kind of thought he might transfer last year. We both and, did, yeah. Yeah, someone even asked him about it, and he was like, you know, that's just not who I am. Like, I want to dig in, I want to compete, and I want to earn my minutes. And to me, that's just really stuck out to me, and I remember that about him and what he said. So I'm going to go ahead and say he stays a Tar Heel um, and that he holds true to that and, and that he does play a huge role for Carolina next year. <laughs> well, we're going to continue to be in agreement. I, I, The same. With what happened last summer – Maybe that clouds what I'm thinking right now, but unless maybe if both Caleb and RJ are back, plus bringing in Simeon next year, like if that happens, maybe DeMarco's gone. But with what I think is going out, 
I just, I think DeMarco has an even bigger role next year. And mm-hmm. Coach Davis will be honest with him about what that is. I think DeMarco Dunn is a soft, uh, a Tar Heel again next year. He will not be a sophomore again next year. He'll be a junior. Uh, but what about his classmate, Don Trez Styles, Pack? You know, I love Don Trez. I think he's got a lot of ability. I wish we could have seen more of it at UNC. I just don't foresee him coming back. Uh, I hope I'm wrong because I think he could be a solid player. He seems like a great young man. I just – I think he's kind of – he even looked at times on the bench like, man, I'm kind of checked out, you know. And I really – I don't blame him a ton because, like I said earlier, I think he was probably working his tail off and just not being rewarded for it. And – or maybe coach just didn't trust him or yeah. just didn't think he was quite good enough. And so – um, my prediction is that he is somewhere else next year. I agree. And, and from the quotes we read earlier from that radio show, he said it would have been uh, going back. It meaning playing in the NIT would have been some great competition for me to showcase my game against. And there were some other quotes similar to that in that radio show that just really to me said, Oh, I'm auditioning, right. Is what, how that reads to me. Mm-hmm. And you combine that with what we, I already thought, that he would be out. And so I, I'm with you. I think Dontrez is gone next season. All right, Pac, let's move to the freshmen. And we need to move through them a little bit quickly. Let's start actually with Will Shaver, who will be coming off a season-ending foot injury. I think Will Shaver enters the portal. And I know that's crazy because he didn't really get a chance to play. I just think with the injury and already not quite being a North Carolina-level talent, I think he tries to find a place to fit somewhere else. Yeah, I could see him transferring down uh, like to mid-major or something like that. But I'm actually, this is where we're diverging. I think Will Shaver will stay with the team, really uh, continue to work and try to find his way into the rotation, particularly if Carolina uh, isn't able to get much at that position in the transfer portal. Um, Okay, Seth Trimble. Oh, I think think Trimble's, he's Carolina blood through and through. So I, I think he stays put. Same. <laughs> Quick and easy. Jalen Washington, our last one. I think J-Dub stays. Um, it was just, to me, it's like coming off the injury, the bounce back. I don't think anybody expected him to play a ton. I don't even think he expected that. Um, I think he was trying to ease his way back in and that he's going to play, you know, a key role on next year's team. So uh, I, I think he stays at Tar Heel. I'm with you. And the only thing I'll add is I think that's true whether Mondo comes back or not. I wouldn't be surprised. Like if Mondo's back, I think Jalen is the starting four. If Mondo's not back and we don't get another Mondo type skill position, I think Jalen's your starting five. I don't think it's Will Shaver. I don't think it's anybody on the roster. I think uh, Zayden High will come in and and contribute in some ways, but he wouldn't start over Jalen and, and is different positionally. Like he's more a three, four than a four five. And so I'm with you on Jalen coming back. So to re- sum it up, we both think Armando's back. We both think Puff and RJ are back. We both think Caleb's gone. We both think Dontrez is gone. We both think DeMarco stays. We're split on Will Shaver. And we both think that Jalen and Seth will stay. So Pac, we're going to have to revisit this uh, in 60 days once the transfer portal has officially closed. So with all that in mind, we need to now have a discussion about what Carolina needs to look for in the transfer portal to help fill out next year's roster. And we'll do that in just a second. 
Okay, Pac. So right now we are, as we're recording this, it's only the second day of the transfer portal being open. And so right now is not the time to have conversations about let's get this guy or that guy or that guy. Right now is the time to have a conversation about what skill sets, what players, what positions, things we're looking for. Um, right now, as of the time of this recording, there are three open scholarships. There would have already been one open scholarship available. And then with the transfers out of um, Tyler Nickel and Justin McCoy, that gives you a total of three. So Pat, I, I, listen, we're going to bottom line this thing. You and I have already joked about this. We know the biggest thing, say it together. One, two, three. What does Carolina need? Shooting. Shooting. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, th that is the bottom line. But beyond that, what would you as a coach be looking for to fill out and add to this roster? Well, when I look at our roster for next year, you know, assuming we're correct on our projections, right? I right. think we're I think we're okay in guard play. You know, Trimble, Simeon Wilcher, R.J. Davis, Demarco Dunn. That gives us four guards to rotate through the one and two spot. So I like that. I like where we're at. I think that's plenty talented enough to have success. I agree. Um, to me, we need to look three, four, and five. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, we need to look shooting. And and you know, where I'll start is, I think. You know, as much as I hate to say it because I love Leakey, we're probably, at least in the Hubert Davis era, going to have seen the last of Leakey's breed. Um, and I would start thinking, Carolina fans, I would start thinking more along the lines of Justin Jackson um, playing in that role. Like, remember Justin? Yes, he was good on defense, but he was an excellent slasher. He could shoot the ball. He was a good rebounder. He was good in transition. He was an offensive threat is what he was. And um, I think we'll start to see a lot more of that. So I would expect that we explore that in the transfer portal. So, you know, you asked me earlier about Puff. Would he be starting or not? As of now, yes. If I had to project what I think they'll get in the portal, I would say no. I think we're going to get somebody really good there. Um, and then in the 4-5, you know, obviously, if projections hold, we'll have Baycott back. We'll have Jalen Washington. We'll have Zayden High. I'd still like to add one more, though, and not necessarily a, a, an Armando either. Like a, I'd like to see us get to that Jalen Washington mold, that stretch four that could also play the five. Mm. It's a dangerous shooter. We just need shooting. We need people that can stretch the floor and be potent on offense, especially if Hubert wants to continue to stick with that pro style. Um, I think we need guys that can flat score the ball if we're going to do that. So, um I'd like to see us get – if we're going to move to that, just get to that new age where three, four, and five are all threats from, you know, the three-point line and in. So that's where I that's where I think we're headed. Um, what about you? Do you have anything to add to that? I don't have much. I would just say that that's especially true because unless he improves dramatically, anytime Seth Trimble's on the floor, you can sag off of him because you're trying to stop his athleticism from driving to the rim and you can allow him to shoot. And so if additionally you have threes, fours, and, and or fives who aren't shooters, that, that puts you in a world of hurt and means you can't really play them together. Like you, you think about that in terms of this year's front court versus last year's front court. Last year, you can have Brady Manick and Armando Baycott out there at any time together because they do enough different things with Brady stretching the floor and Mondo being the black hole in the middle. 
This year, because of Pete not being that high volume of a three-point shooter, you couldn't do that as much. You combine that with Leaky, and there's just not enough shooting out there on the floor, particularly, as you said, at positions three through five. And so, all the more so important, if Armando does indeed come back, you have to. You just have to have shooting at the three and four positions. There's just no way around it. And ultimately, that's what I believe Coach Davis is going to want to work to get to. Um, and in fact, that's going to be part of tomorrow's Locked on Tar Heel show. I just well, I've got some thoughts about how we're treating Coach Davis right now that I want to talk about. So just buckle up for that. But yeah, Pac, I think you're spot on in your assessment of that, that it's all about shooting. It's going to be, I mean, from a character standpoint, you know that Coach Davis is looking for guys that want to be in Chapel Hill, for guys that are team first minded, that come in, I mean, Goodness gracious, I know Pete Nance didn't have the best year, but if you could have a million Pete Nances on your team, what a guy uh, so willing to come in and do whatever the team needed, right? You just wish you could shoot from three a little bit more, uh, yeah. but that's the kind of person and player and teammate that you're looking for. So that, that's the only things I would add. Pack, any, any wrap up before we get out of here today? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just end with this. I think we're really going to start to finally see Coach Davis's stamp on this program. Like, this is going to be year three. Roy's kids and recruits are starting to phase themselves out, and Hubert's era is about to phase itself in. Um, and that, that era also includes the transfer portal. And so we're about to really see how he evaluates talent and what direction he wants to take the program. And I'm really, really intrigued by that. So I'll just finish with that. And I, I think what that says to me is this as well. I know this was a disappointing year. I've seen a lot of people saying, can 24 hurry up and get here and get that loaded class in? Don't overlook next year. Because in the era of the transfer portal, which is essentially free agency, you can turn, turn? what's that word? You can turn things around like this. So just do not throw away next year, folks. Be ready for whatever may come. And that's that's the joy of being a fan of sports. You never, ever know. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please leave us some reviews on Apple Reviews. You can follow the show on Twitter, Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. And you can follow Pat at Coach underscore K23. Email the show, Locked on Tar Heels at gmail.com. 